Welcome to our podcast today. My name is Ezekiel Buru. I am an orthopedic surgeon at the University of Nairobi and the title of our podcast today or our episode is Clavicular Fractures. Clavicular fractures constitute about 5 to 10% of all fractures. Most of them occur in younger people that are about the age of 25 and uh, some may occur in patients who are 55 uh, years old uh, especially men some may occur in women who are up to the age of 75 there are a number of classifications with regards to clavicular fractures but i think a simple one to remember is um, group one fractures which are major fractures which occur in the middle third of the clavicle group two fractures which are fractures which occur in the lateral aspect of the clavicle and group three fractures which are fractures that occur in the medial aspect of the clavicle most of these fractures are uh, occur in the middle third of the clavicle and they're about 75 to 80 percent of all the fractures the fractures that occur laterally are about uh, 15 to 25 percent and the medial third fractures which are the least common are up to about five percent of all the fractures so why do these fractures happen? One, the clavicle is uh, easily fractured because it is very subcutaneous um, and it is relatively anterior in its location. And the mechanism of these fractures can either be fall on an outstretched arm or can be a direct blow into uh, the shoulder. So what do you do? When you get a patient with suspected clavicular fracture, I cannot ever emphasize this, I think one has to examine the patient and examine the patient well. Recently, I had a patient come into my office. This gentleman was about um, maybe 29, 30 years of age, and um, he had been involved in a road traffic accident, actually. He's quite lucky that he had escaped uh, without any major injuries, and he had persistent pain in his shoulder. And uh, when I decided to... Uh, palpate the shoulder uh, on the clavicle I could feel some crepitus so I sent him for an x-ray and he had um, a fracture of the middle third of the clavicle this had been missed where he had initially been managed so please always evaluate uh, the patient the other thing also that you need to do is to evaluate the patient with regards to whether you can see a deformity or uh, with regards to any neurovascular deficit. Why do I say that? Because there are some conditions which are associated with clavicular fractures. Uh, these conditions uh, may be rare, but uh, they could happen. One, these patients may have an ipsilateral uh, scapular fracture. They may have scapular thoracic dissociation. They may have a rib fracture. They may have pneumothorax, and they may have neurovascular injury. So please, much as the patient has clavicular fractures, and most of the time this is the main injury, please always evaluate the patient. So how do you tell that this patient has a fracture? Well, a radiography is the way to tell, and usually this is performed uh, AP view. Although there is a view that's mainly mentioned in uh, the textbook, it's known as the Zanka view, and in this view you do a 15 degree cephalic tilt 
uh, of uh, the x-ray and this may give you uh, more information with regards to superior and inferior uh, uh, displacement so how do you treat uh, these fractures what are the things that you do to treat them one always remember the goal of um, uh, treatment of these fractures is uh, to restore anatomy to limit pain and to promote quick return to activity or play most of these fractures can be managed non-operatively i must say that over the last years especially between the year of uh, 2000 and 2010 a number of studies uh, especially from canada uh, did show that some of these fractures may do better when operatively managed so which are the ones that you can treat non-operatively Number one, the ones which have got less than two centimeters of shortening and displacement, the ones which have got uh, one centimeter displacement on the uh, super superior shouldery suspensory uh, complex and the ones that don't have a neurovascular injury. And let's not forget that uh, depending on how much resources and how much skill one may have, many times uh, one may have no choice but to do uh, non-operative management. So what are the reasons uh, that one uh, may do operative management? Operative management uh, have a number of uh, indications. There is what is known as the absolute indications and the relative all controversial indications. So absolute indications would be open fractures, uh, fractures which are displaced with a fracture tenting the skin. If you have injury to the subclavian artery or vein, if you have a floating shoulder which is essentially a fracture of the clavicle and a scapular neck fracture if you have symptomatic non-union or if you have symptomatic uh, malunion as you can see some of these indications like symptomatic uh, malunion uh, or non-union require a level of skill to be able to operate on the clavicle so what are the uh, relative or controversial uh, indications number one if you have a fracture which is displaced but with less than two centimeters of shortening, if you have uh, bilateral displaced clavicular fractures, if you have got brachial plexus uh, injury, uh, if you have closed head injury, if you have seizure disorder or a polytrauma patient in, in order to enable uh, the managing of these patients. So what are the techniques that one would use um, in non-operative management really there are two things that you read in your various books one is just sling immobilization and the purpose of the sling immobilization is so that uh, one may be comfortable the sling itself is not per se the ultimate treatment for these fractures uh, you immobilize in order to have some comfort and this can be continued in one or two weeks when uh, the major pain subsides and then then you can start range of motion exercises as uh, pain allows with gradual progression to active range of motion exercises and strengthening exercises over four to five weeks uh, i have had patients who have had children with uh, or parents of patients who had children with clavicular fractures and many times they ask me well doctor how do i maintain the sling and I usually say, look here, the sling is essentially for comfort. The child is unlikely to comply. Uh, if it's a very young child, maybe a two-year or a three-year-old child. So as long as they're 
they are comfortable. You don't have to uh, maintain the sling. So what are the options of treatment with regards to operative management? We've already seen uh, the indications. Um, the options of treatment are varied. You could have patients who've got open reduction and internal fixation with plates, or you could even have an intermedullary nail. Uh, the scope and the indications and the techniques really are beyond uh, the um, scope of or the purpose of this uh, podcast. So what I would say is um, really as an undergraduate, you don't have to know exactly what needs to be done. All you need to know is open reduction and internal fixation. What about fractures of the lateral third of the clavicle? These fractures uh, were classified by near a special classification. Um, I try to avoid too many classification because I think that uh, medical students already have too many that they have to remember. But you can have a type one fracture in which the coracoclavicular ligament is intact, type two in which the coracoclavicular ligament is torn from the medial fragment, and only the trapezoid ligament remains attached to the lateral fragment, and therefore this fracture is uh, displaced. And then you can have a type uh, three fracture, which involves extension into the acromioclavicular joint. There is an addition type 4 and type 5, which I don't think you need to remember. All I'd like to say is the type 1 and the type 3 fracture can really be managed non-operatively. But when it comes to the type 2 fracture, essentially, this is similar or akin to an acromioclavicular joint injury, and therefore these patients will need uh, some form of fixation, the scope of which I think is beyond um, the contents of this podcast. So I think those are the ones that you probably need to refer to an orthopedic surgeon and they will have a look at it. The type 1 and type 3 fractures, because they're not very displaced, this can actually be managed operatively. What about fractures of the medial third of the clavicle? This really is tiger country because we have all the big vessels that are just behind uh, the clavicle near the sternum. Uh, clavicular joint and therefore these fractures really uh, when they are displaced uh, when they're mildly displaced or non-displaced we usually uh, leave them like that when they are displaced you know we really have to evaluate whether or not we'll intervene surgically most of the time uh, if we don't have a problem with the airway or a hemodynamic emergency uh, we may not necessarily do something. So that, in a nutshell, is uh, clavicular fractures. Thank you very much for listening.